The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, I have a very special guest, Richard Strozzi Heckler, who is the founder of Strozzi Work and Strozzi Institute. He is nationally known as a coaching consultant on leadership and mastery, and he really is someone who has developed the practical application of somatics. In, with business leaders, managers, and teams from all over the world. He has worked with uh, NGOs. He has been an advisor to NATO, and he has a very interesting story. We have been fortunate to have Richard here before on Leading Conversations, and we are so privileged to have Richard Strozzi Heckler back with us today. Good morning, Richard. Hello, Cheryl. Good to be back with you. It's great to have you back. So tell us, where are you today? I'm at my uh, home, my ranch home up in Petaluma, California. This is about an hour north of the Golden Gate Bridge with blue skies and sunny days, and um, all the flowers are popping. Isn't that nice? It's like spring is really here, and the rest of the country, the U.S. anyway, is kind of struggling to have spring. We are very fortunate on the West Coast. So, Richard, you are a person who is very dear to me. I have had the privilege of having you as a personal coach in the Strozzi work, and you have really contributed to the development of me as an individual and to my work out in the world. And, you know, you are what I would call one of the more unusual executive coaches, leadership coaches that I have ever known, um, and part of the, work, the reason is because of the work of somatics, the way you understand and have capacity to blend um, language, action, emotions, and meaning, which is what somatics is all about. So tell us how you even became interested in the concept of somatics. Probably a place to start, Cheryl, would be that um, the three main things that really influence my work are I come from the tradition of the bodily arts. I've been doing um, martial arts since I'm about 13 years old, and this is now well over 50 years, and I still do practice. I still have a teacher, a sensei in Aikido. And so this whole notion of the martial arts, plus I went to university on a scholarship, an athletic scholarship, a track scholarship, and I ran um, for the American team in the pre-Olympic meet in Mexico City in the Pan Amer Central American Games. 
And this whole notion of body was introduced to me at a very, very early age. And it was a martial arts body. It was the sports body. But I learned some really important things. I learned the importance of practice, that practice was the essential thing in helping you improve and make your performance better. I also learned to have a good coach, a good teacher. It was immeasurable if they could see things that the, I couldn't see and then they could lead me in the right direction. Um, I wrote my Ph.D. dissertation in the mid-'70s, and it was uh, titled The Mind-Body Interface, and what I was interested in there was um, how do people achieve mastery, and when people who achieve mastery come together in high-performing teams, how is that actually produced or made? And um, in the, my, my, my experience in the martial arts primarily in sports um, was really about how do you take effective action, how do you take skillful action. Um, and uh, in the martial arts, it's also how do you resolve conflict. That could be thing I thought of as our, our muscular system. Mm-hmm. And then the place in which I got my Ph.D. and what I studied, what I came away with was how important moods and emotions are. Um, we're more and more becoming intelligent about that and the importance of that. Um, at the same time, um, most of the world really says, let's just put those into our trunk of our car, and then we'll bring ourselves to work and be good performing machines. Right. And then the third thing is I've been doing the meditation practice since um, really formally since 1969, where I really started taking it seriously. And um, was had a great fortune to study with some great Indian meditation masters. And what I learned there was the importance of how do you how do you manage your attention? And we know that energy follows attention. And people who are successful and fulfilled, they're able to be the author or self-generate their own attention. And so uh, that could be called the nervous system. Moods and emotions could be called the organ system. And taking skillful action is like the muscular system. And so all these things really have influenced me, along with tremendous great teachers and just an ongoing fascination, fascination, curiosity about how do human beings become the best that they are and how do we do that um, together as communities and collectives and families and nations. Mm. You know, the whole concept about mood and emotions fascinates me. I agree with you that most of the world says, um, you know, just set this aside. You have control over this. You can um, acknowledge that you have a feeling, and then you can choose not to act on it, right? And yet your approach is a bit different. The way you see... um, how mood and emotion are portrayed and whether or not we are demonstrating them outwardly, you say that they show up anyway. How is that so? The, um, first of all, the, the claim that we make in somatic coaching is that um, the mood is a bodily phenomenon. 
and people will think of it as a mental phenomenon. In other words, if I just change my mind, my mood will shift. But if we really look closely and we say that somebody's shoulders are kind of glued up at their ears, or they're always tightening their solar plexus, or there's not much breath coming through, or they're bowed forward, that will produce or predispose us to a certain kind of mood. So even internally, if you go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a commitment to having a certain kind of full expression and a joy in my life, that kind of shape that we have will will predispose us towards just the opposite of that. And what what has to happen is that we need to change or reorganize how we are in posture, how we are in presence, how we are in comportment. And um, as you know, I talk about the body as the shape of our experience. So in that sense, what I'd say here is what we need to do is change the shape and that gives us more choice and more access over different moods. That's different than somebody says, no, I feel fine, and then their shoulders are still glued up to their ears, and then they're predisposed to fear or anxiety. Mm. How has this affected you personally, this study of somatics? As you have grown through the years, as you have had your different experiences in the world, I mean, do you think, do you notice everything about yourself? I mean, do you notice every moment? How has it changed me? I, I, um, the, the teachers that I've had have always expressed this, how important it is to bring yourself into the present moment. Uh, bring us, bring yourself into that vertical line of dignity where, where we are just right here, right now. Do we have a past? Absolutely. And it's so easy to gravitate or be pulled back into the past and either to lament it or wish we could revisit it or we're disappointed by it, etc. And we're always scanning for the best possible future that that we can have. And what we never get back is that time. And one of the powerful things, either we're in the past or in the future, we don't get that time back. One of the powerful things about living a somatic sensibility or awareness is that the body can help ground us in the moment right now. Mm. So um, I'm certainly not present all the time. I'm certainly still grabbed by my past. But because of certain practices and certainly because of the people that I've studied with, it allows all of us this opportunity to um, recalibrate and bring ourselves back in the moment, which brings ourselves back to um, what do I care about? What matters to me? What do I love? Am I being as loving as as I want to be? Am I receiving love? Mm. You know, I I personally have experienced the shift, the power of the shift of the reshaping of the posture and the body and the specific awareness. And um, I wonder, can a, can a time in society, you know, like for instance today, um, society collectively is embracing technology, embracing cell phones and texting and staring at the screen and how do things like that affect kind of who you are? 
Yes, we we are we are in a, a very very major crossroads here. And if I jump up to thirty thousand feet, you know what I would say here, Cheryl, is that um, that one of the reasons that we can so easily um, pollute our water and our air and, and stain our soil is because we are out of touch with our bodies. We've become out of touch with our bodies. And um, when I say out of touch with our bodies, what I mean is that we, we've lost the, the deep capacity in us to feel. And by that, I don't mean have a feeling or have an emotion, but we're connected to the life energy that really is the thread that runs through all things that really shows us how interdependent and how interconnected that we are. Uh, I would also say in this is that one of the reasons that the gap between the growing gap between those that have and those that don't have uh, is because we've lost touch with our feeling self. And thirdly, one of the reasons that so much conflict that now um, precipitates into violence is we no longer are able to uh, feel feel our, our own livingness and therefore feel the livingness of others and, and all living things. So, so one of the the pieces that I think is really important about the this, this study of somatics, you know, um, is the idea that we can re-engage into that core life energy that really makes us who we are and who we share with every other living thing. You know, some people call it energy, some people call it. Um, prana or chi or ki or elan vital, but cultures have always talked about that that main organizing principle and the main unifying principle. And um, one of the challenges for us is that as we move into this level of technology, and you see everybody, as soon as they have that free moment, they're looking and texting and uh, relating that way, is how does that shift our capacity to really be with others and to really be with life? And I think that probably when the wheel was invented, some people said, oh, no, this is going the wrong way. We're not going to be, <laughs> this is not going to be the right thing. So I say that, you know, Cheryl, that I'm not, I'm not a Luddite. Um, and, and, and I appreciate, True, I know that. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate these things. And there's just simple things like this that people uh, who are sitting all day in front of computers, which are many, that begins to affect the, the, the body, and then specifically it begins to affect what is called the psoas muscle, which is our evolutionary muscle. That's the muscle deep inside of us that helps us stand upright. And this one of the things distinguishing us from other species, and that psoas muscle begins to atrophy and it begins to shrink, and then people have a harder time standing upright. They have more pain, back pain. Um, they're, they're unable to be as agile as they possibly can. They're unable to transport more blood and oxygen. And these are the things that we have to start to pay attention to as we become more interlocked with machines, for one thing. That's not even saying anything about which I know you're intimating towards, is what happens to, to relationships this way. Sure. Yeah. And um, uh, I have no other answer to that in the moment 
then let's pay attention to that. Let's remember that uh, that machine is only as good as we are. And the more that we live fully inside of our own skin, our own heart, our own organs, our own tissues, that we'll be able to do good, be able to do well with these machines. How do you um, use the technology yourself? How much do you use it? I'm uh, I'm a writer. Somatic, the Somatic Coaching book, The Art of Somatic Coaching, was my eighth book, and that's really how I use it. I use it for writing, and I use it for um, uh, um, emailing, and then there are things that people will send me that I'll read with it, but I'm a voracious reader anyway, and I've always read. So um, my use of the technology is pretty straightforward and, and pretty simple, and um, I think simple in the sense that a lot of my kids will even laugh at me, but um, I, great, I get great pleasure that I can communicate with people throughout the whole world in a very rapid and timeless manner and build communication that way. Well, we're going to talk about your new book, The Art of Somatic Coaching, when we come right back. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Oh, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest, Dr. Richard Strozzi Heckler, who is the founder of Strozzi Work and the Strozzi Institute 
for somatics, and the author of many, many books, uh, most recently, The Art of Somatic Coaching. So, Richard, you've been teaching somatics for a very long time, and several of your books um, have been published focusing on somatics, explaining somatics. What's different, of, what's different about this book, The Art of Somatic Coaching? This this book came about, Cheryl, um, because the the notion of somatics, which is a branch of psychology and philosophy, it, it somatics roughly translates from the Greek about it, it, it says that they, we are uh, our, our, our living body, our body in its wholeness, not just like a medical scientific objective body, but we are part of that body, mm. and. Um, very slowly, this idea of embodiment or being able to feel deeply, to be able to be self-generating, self-educating, and self-healing by working through that body is getting a stronger purchase in the world. You know, usually when you talk about body to people, they think of either the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated or the guy in the cover of Men's Health, you know. Yeah. Really, body body is object. This is more like we we live through our body. We can learn through our body, and we can heal through our body. And as this interest grew, um, when we've been doing this work for about four, over forty years, almost forty five years, I said, no, it's not really now time to put something very explicit um, down about this work, how it's done the purpose of it and, and the intent of it. Um, I was writing another book at the same time, which maybe, who knows, in a couple of years we'll talk about here, calling Embody, Embodying the Mystery. But this one, this one came first. I'm really interested that it has this whole notion of somatic work and coaching um, touch all, all, all venues of our life. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. And as an executive coach, I incorporate somatics deeply into the work that I do. And it's really interesting to me that many people still believe that um, others in business, executives, CEOs of organizations will view this as, for lack of a better term, woo-woo and touchy-feely and can't go there. And my experience, and I'm pretty sure your experience, has been that they are completely fascinated by this, and it's so it's so fast. It works so fast with people because they immediately get it and understand and can see um, where this matters in them because it starts to shift their feeling. And I, I mean, even myself, as I move in the world and have you know, daily catch myself in, in a specific posture and think, oh, geez, I thought I figured that one out, and but can correct myself really quickly. Um, it, it's amazing the difference that it makes. It's, it's fascinating how empowering to me, how empowering it is to make that shift in the moment and to then express my self and my being in a different way in my, in my situation or in, throughout my day. And, you know, 
this work has that you have really pioneered is it's far reaching you have done work with ngos you have done work with nato you have done work um teaching the marines to meditate which i think is kind of hysterical that that was the very first way I became introduced to your work, actually. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal, had no idea about somatics, had no idea, hadn't met you, and read this, picked the Wall Street Journal up one morning, looked at it, said to my husband, there's some guy who's teaching Marines to meditate. <laughs> and my husband said, teaching the Marines to meditate? And we started cracking up. And so then when I did meet you and I realized, oh, my gosh, you're that guy. Wow. You know, so tell us a bit about how you got into doing work with the military. In the mid-'80s, I uh, uh, did a program. I was part of a team of an experimental program with the Army Green Berets, and they were looking at how do you develop a holistic soldier, their words. And we put together a six-month in-depth program in which the criterion of success at the end of it would be that they would have physical enhancements, mental enhancements, and better team cohesion. And this was very, very um, uh, uh, strictly tested about where, how they came in and how they left. And we did meditation every day. We did Aikido every day. Uh, we did communication skills. We redesigned the physical training program, their diet, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end, they went off the charts in terms of their capacity. And when they went back to their um, units, everybody said, wow, they're much better leaders. Now, that may be common sense to us. That's what would happen. Right. But then, but then I went, oh, this, is, uh, this work, we can actually move much more towards leadership. This was back in 85. We can move much more towards leadership which I did, but it also spurned a lot of work both with the uh, Navy SEALs and then Jim Jones, um, General Jim Jones, who was a commandant of the Marine Corps, asked me to come aboard and build a leadership program. It was really his genius, but it was based in the martial arts. It was called the Marine Corps Martial Art Program. Mm. And I um, uh, did subsequent trips to both Afghanistan and Iraq with NATO and the International Security Assistant Forces about how to develop leadership um, facilities for both of those countries, if that was possible or not. So um, that that first program way back then, which I wrote a book about called In Search of the Warrior Spirit, um, uh, has a lot of leverage in these military institutions to go, how do we become healthier? How do we become more skillful? How do we adapt to changing times? And how do we use this technology that comes out of our institute to be able to have people um, run their organizations in, in better and more efficient ways? So um, now I am still do some work with the, uh, the Navy SEALs and uh, the Army Review Board. So it, it continues on. And I think it's just a representation, Cheryl, that people are 
this notion of what we might call now the mind-body connection or mind-body-spirit connection is more is slowly but surely coming into the public awareness about how we're able to bring all of ourselves to our lives and to lead more fulfilling and more successful lives that way. So when you think about, when I think about a, a soldier in a situation such as Afghanistan, where they are coming into contact on a daily basis with um, the Afghani people, with uh, citizens who are not um, necessarily viewed as soldiers, they're not viewed as Afghani soldiers, they're not viewed as Taliban, they're simply viewed as people who live there, and yet they're very often not certain whether the person they're speaking with is um, someone who is the enemy or someone whose intent is to harm them. How did you see that the somatics had some sort of um, help in, in the soldiers to become more intuitive, to be able to assess situations better, to stay safer? We have a, a truckloads, tons, tons of anecdotal material that talks about this very thing. We're all the way from <laughs> privates to generals being in these kinds of situations, and they're commenting of being able to draw on the training that makes them more present uh, to what's possible, more, more open to opportunities and at the same time staying very connected to themselves and being able to be deeper listeners. You know, like you said, it would be, we, we might call that more intuitive and um, uh, more insightful, but it's uh, really that they've become deeper listeners, deeper listeners to what people are saying, how they're holding themselves, how their culture lives in their body. And, um, like I said, there's just a whole bunch of material around how um, this has allowed better relationships as well as saving lives. Um, and, uh, and I want to say here, so on that end of it, the other end of our work, if we would think of it that way, is that through our nonprofit arm, Generative Somatics, we're doing a program with the Na- National Domestic Workers Alliance. And these are 99.9% women, usually women of color, who take care of our children and clean our hotel rooms and do that kind of domestic work and have never had any kinds of um, rights for vacation or hours to work or even medical care. And they've organized into this large alliance and asked us to help them build a leadership team. So it's a seemingly a very different, very different demographic um, and a different population for sure. And the work applies just as deeply and effectively with them in building leadership school and leader, leadership skills as it does with, say, a Navy SEAL. Mm. Yeah. Now the word worthiness comes to mind. That somehow this allows an individual to touch their own worthiness. 
very significant part of this work really is we, we, we say is to one can inhabit their human dignity and not just like a bumper sticker or something you put on the refrigerator, but really something that is really felt and deeply, deeply lived. And uh, that uh, it does bring up a tremendous amount of worthiness, merit, and dignity. When we, when we talk about the body, we, we ask people to say, think of the body not so much as the medical body of limbs and um, organs, et cetera, et cetera, but really that it's a domain of learning. This is where we learn is through our bodies, through um, doing practices through our body. It's a domain of coordination. It's, this is how we coordinate with other, other people. And we say it's a domain of dignity that uh, the Chinese have always said in their cosmology that dignity lives in our bones. And that once we get deeply in touch with our body, we become deeply in touch with our own sense of worth and dignity and how we're able to hold that, too. Hmm. That makes me wonder about the concept that not only do we hold our learning in our body, but we hold our pain and our trauma and our experiences in our body. And... You know, whether it is um, some sort of abuse or it is some sort of um, trauma. For instance, a soldier in war it comes back with um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, how can somatics affect that? Yeah, absolutely true. You know, the, the, the body holds the sum total of all of our conditions. So our entire history really is held in our body. It's like a vast encyclopedia. All of the cuts, the wounds, the joys, the happiness lives inside of our body. Once we begin trained in that, a coach becomes trained in that, our leader does, you, you, can, you can see that in people. It's also the place in which we can unwind or heal uh, that trauma. So one of the things that we're also involved in is doing trauma work, both with um, people who are um, underserved populations, but also a lot of work with returning veterans. And what we found is that working through the body is the most direct and really the quickest way in terms of unraveling all that trauma. And even we have... um, special Aikido seminars for veterans and introducing it to them and, and at the uh, VA hospitals and military hospitals. And it's just shown that the if Aikido is taught in the proper way to this population is that um, people begin to identify their trauma more quickly, being able to shift away from that that frozen state and then to be able to have different kinds of um, uh, new actions for themselves. Mm. So you're right, it's both in our body, it happens in our body, stored in our body, and it's in our body that we can actually uh, heal ourselves too. Do you have a perspective that is, it's a very popular perspective, and that is that illnesses come from unresolved emotional situations that 
remains somewhere in our body. So not that one, per, not that a person has caused themselves to be sick or ill or contract some sort of disease, but that that is a place of vulnerability in the body because of energy that is stuck or a trauma that remains. Um, what's your perspective on that? Um, I, I hold that uh, we need to look at that in a very careful and respectful way. Um, and be able and, and really to stay in curiosity and speculation because as just you outlined it, I think in many ways that that's true. Those, those things that we store and we hold and we keep repressed actually begins to affect our physical and emotional health. And we need to have some kind of circumspection around it because then while that increases one's own autonomy and accountability, People can begin to then fall into shame to go, oh, I did that to myself. There's something wrong with yeah. me. And then it actually doubles down on itself. Right. So I think the, the simple answer is yes. And the way that that's handled has to be handled with a great, great finesse and um, uh, with, with mastery. Mm, I absolutely agree with you. We have more to talk about with Richard Strozzi Heckler when we come right back. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest, Richard Strozzi Heckler. 
the founder of Strozzi Work and the Strozzi Institute and the author of the latest, his latest book, The Art of Somatic Coaching. So, Richard, I'm curious. You must have so many stories about um, the impact of somatics. Can you share with us a couple of stories where you have had the experience with either executive leaders and or perhaps soldiers in the field or when they've come back from the field? Here's what comes to mind right now, Cheryl, is that there was a uh, Marine lieutenant who was part of our uh, beta program and the Marine martial art program that was developed for General Jim Jones. And um, he was uh, leading a rifle platoon through this pretty rough neighborhood in Iraq. And um, as they're patrolling these streets, there was a funeral that came by. And there was this moment of tension with these people, and they seen these American Marines there. And it looked like there could have been something untoward that was going to happen. And he had his Marines um, go down on one knee and take their helmets off um, as a sign of respect for this funeral. Wow. Yeah, it was um, uh, later I said to him, I said, uh, why, whatever made you think to do that? And he said, it just seemed like the Aikido thing to do. And um, uh, basically that diffused the moment, but also it began to develop a much deeper relationship with these Marines, him, and the residents of that area. And so the whole level of violence in that area was was substantially lower than it was in other places. Um that is fascinating. You know, as I think about uh, the essence of that, there was the soldiers on purpose making themselves vulnerable out of respect for the human being. Yes. Yeah, just really very good ethical common sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was very beautiful. Um, the uh, I'll make this a short story here. A client, a an executive who was had about just a couple years left in his career, wanting to make great reforms in his company, a very very large company. And what he noticed is that every time he went to speak to, he was a senior vice president. He went to speak to the CEO. He would always kind of wilt or falter. And in our work together and working through his body, what came up was a memory that he had when he was very young, very, very young. And this memory was of catching his mother with somebody else. When the father came home, um, well, she, she saw him and she spanked him and said, no, you stay out of here. He went to see his, tell his father. The father did the same thing and he could draw this line between um, when he's around authority, even though this was deep in his consciousness, not aware at all, but deeply in his subconscious, is that when he was around authority, um, if there was any pushback at all, his body just did not, his body self just did not have the wherewithal to stand, make a stand, speak for what he believed in, fighting for what he cared about or what he thought was right. And um, 
then through subsequent work, we were able to release that particular kind of tension that he was holding, and uh, it, it allowed him actually to have deeper and more meaningful conversations with his um, CEO and to make a shift in the whole environment. And so my imagination tells me that that was not the first time that he had thought about being a child and having that experience, and so mentally he likely had processed, well, yeah, that, you know, was traumatic or, you know, upsetting when I was a child, and, you know, I can see how it could affect me as an adult, and did he think he was, that that was okay, that was fixed, he didn't have to worry about that? until you started working with him? No, actually what it was, Cheryl, was that he had that was the first time he had that clear memory of it. Really? Yeah, it was more like something behind uh, a, a gauze, a very thick gauze or a very thick fog. And he could never, he was always that kind of general sense of unease. But in our work together, when he was guided to be into his body more, to release some of the armoring that he held, it was at that time that he went, oh, he saw that, 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 that memory, that historical memory was evoked that clearly at that moment. I mean, he just opened his eyes and he said to me, I need to tell you what I just saw and what happened. Mm. And he could draw a straight line from that experience to him always faltering in the face of authority. And it really, it released a whole bunch of unused intelligence and um, unused energy into him that he could then direct in new directions. Where do you hope somatics... Where, where, no, let, no let, me, let me rephrase. What do you believe somatics can do to impact the future of this country, the U.S., and the relationships with others in the world? There's a lot of conversations about what we should do and why we should do things. And they all basically will precipitate into the right way that around respect, around kindness, around skillful action, around compassion, around treating um, uh, other human beings and other living systems right. But what it doesn't do is say, how do you do that? Yes. And really, somatics lives in the question of how. How do you do those things? You know, way back in 17th century or so, you know, people were in the West were talking about um, where are we in the cosmos where are we in terms of the sun, etc.? And then with really Freud and his compatriots, the question become, why are we, why are we this way? And I believe we're really now in the question of how are we and how are we doing the things that are actually working against us and how are we polluting and how are we producing more conflict, etc.? And I think that if we learn that question to how, which happens through our through our bodies, is that we're, we'll be able to deconstruct that, and then take new actions. So, tell me what you think about um, 
let's say, executives or people who work in companies that are um, known for hurting the environment. Large chemical companies, some large oil companies, um, some, for instance, tobacco companies. You know, there's a lot of indictment of them, you know, just in general. And yet, you know, very smart people are working there, are running the companies. What do you, what is your conjecture about how they are moving in the world? I think that the forces, uh, the the systemic forces that they're engaged in are so powerful and so all-sweeping that um, it's very difficult to see outside of those things. And what is really required is that we're able to see in these larger domains that shape us, the belief systems. I mean, so much of us, we still work for manifest destiny, for example. Um, And uh, as those larger forces, those belief systems, those institutional beliefs, um, as they begin to sweep through us, we become invisible to them, or we're invisible to them. And um, what's necessary is to expand our consciousness expand our looking so we're able to see these systems too and that we're able to then negotiate change within the within the systems mm. have you ever had someone um, that you worked with make a choice to shift their life's work absolutely yeah. absolutely it's all the way from once they get in touch with this if they feel helpless in their efforts to try to change the systems, they'll say, um, then what I need to do is that I need to work in this particular way or I need to do this other kind of work. And um, it has also been very useful for people who are saying, no, we need to change the system about how it's working. We, it's no longer going to work to how we uh, pollute our environment and they, they've made great crossroads in doing that. So both, had both of those. Mm. And we're very you, much, as you know, at a time when all these things are very much in our face and requiring us to step up in new ways. Yeah. What well, my experience with somatics is um, I, I can't escape myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It, it, yeah. Yes, once we once we really get inside our bodies this way is that uh, we'll appear wherever we are. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and the good news of that of course is that gives us a choice about and do I want to keep moving in these kinds of ways or is it time to make new changes and new shifts? I think you should go work with Congress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a piece of work, huh? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 Talk about a system that needs to change and individuals who um, step into that system, I believe, with a sense that they can make that change and then completely get swept up into the power of the situation and can't do it, right? 
We see we see that over and over again. Yeah, that the the, the system itself is so strong and has such momentum, and. Um, no, I think one of the things that is kind of heartening is that more and more people are actually saying the system's broken. Yes. And if we say that enough and magnify that enough, we can go, then how, how do we really want to repair it? Yeah. Well, Richard, we are coming to the end of the show. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um, people are going to want to know more. They want to get in touch with you. How do they do that? Yes. Um, the, the webpage is Strozzi Institute. Dot com, uh, uh, we have an office in Oakland, California, and we have an office in Petaluma. Uh, the phone number of the office, it would be 510-444-4444. One two three two, but the web page is Strozzi, StrozziInstitute.com. Institute.com. Mm-hmm. Richard Strozzi Heckler, it's been a privilege having you here once again, joining us on Leading Conversations, and I am so excited about the work you are doing in the world and whatever is coming next. I know it will be so amazing. The book is The Art of Somatic Coaching. And you can buy it on um, Amazon or through, I assume, the Strozzi Institute. That's correct. Yes, great. So thanks, Richard. Really great to speak to you, Cheryl. Thank you for your good work. And remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.